Welcome to this episode of Cumbria Events Eventing Talks podcast. I'm sure you know me by now. My name's Kaz from Orange Fox Eventing. Um, but this episode today I'm very excited to talk about is because Cumbria Events was granted the request to run an international one star to be held at Warwick Hall Horse Trials. As a Cumbrian born and bred myself, although I currently live in Scotland, I for one am very excited about this. Um, so my next guest is Rachel Ayton. Rachel has a fantastic horse that she has produced herself. We're going to talk a little bit about that in a minute. Um, and hopefully has uh, Warwick Hall One Star penciled in her diary. She also has some other, other exciting things happening this season. So first of all, uh, let's get started and welcome you to the episode. Hello, Hi, Charles, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Good. I'm so pleased you made time today to come on the show. It's really exciting to yeah. chat to you. We've been like privately messaging about doing like gallops and stuff, yeah. haven't we? So, um, <laughs> Definitely but, trying to get fitness working. I know, because you have something exciting coming up. Um, yeah. So your fantastic horse called Splash of Fun, his stable name, Nelson, Nelson um, yeah. you have produced from scratch. So we'll talk a little bit about how you got him and stuff in two seconds. Um, but you have had a great season last year and you qualified for badders. Yeah. So not only are you aiming for one star this year, but you are also prepping just now frantically for badminton. Yes, six weeks and counting. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so actually, um, let's start off talking about his history then. So how did he come into your life? And, uh, and then what have you done with him up until this point? So I got Nelson, it'd be coming up six years this year. Um, he, I started riding him for, for his owner because he was being a bit naughty actually. Um, and he was very, very keen jumping, would throw himself in front of the fences and leap the height of himself. And then the owner sort of realized that he was starting to click with me really well. And I was quietly very keen just so that the, <laughs> we were aware that um, she wouldn't advertise him and I could, I could maybe get first refusal. And then, um, yeah, so I, I took him over in sort of, I think it was June June time and then um, took him across cross-country schooling and just had a play about and was, was quietly very, very um, excited about him. He's very, very similar to my old horse, Huey, that I ventured up to intermediate with. So yeah, I, I was quite, quite keen to see where things would go with him. So that's where that started. And when did you first take him out and about? What was your first few events like with him? So his first one, I think, was originally Pony Club back then. So it would have been at Kerry Muir um, or a cliche. Um, started at an 80 and did a couple of like pick offences at Forrester Street, um, which is quite local to me, um, just to get a gauge. And, and obviously he was quite anxious and just to get him a bit more confident with how, how he was finding things. I just felt like at the time BE was maybe a bit much. And then the following season, his first event was Dalkeith at 90. Um, so yeah, just took things slowly to begin with because he was brand new to it and um, had a tendency to be quite naughty <laughs> to begin with. So I didn't want to disgrace myself at B. Um, but yeah, the, once he started to get the gist of it and he, he loved it, we just went from there. He seems to have a really nice consistent record throughout his, you know, all horses have blips, don't they? But like, yeah, totally. when you look at how he's come on, he's just been nicely consistently just um, developing that experience. And last season, um, three runs, you were in the top six. Yeah. fantastic. Was, he's, he's really consistent. He tries really hard and he's the type that once he's gained your trust, like he, he goes both ways for you. He tries really hard and... 
his dressage is nice and consistent. I work really hard at that. Um, our shoulder moves probably our nemesis. It tends to be like one pole, um, and that would knock us out of sort of our, our good dressage. But um, and then obviously at Frenchfield we had a nice big E on our, our mark because we missed a cross country fence. Oh, is that what it was? Oh no, that's so that's so depressing. So frustrating. Um, but it's it's the sport, isn't it? It's, yeah. You have to kind of laugh or cry, but yeah. <laughs> I remember um, actually talking about missing a fence. I remember taking a grey horse I had called Jack um, mm -hmm. round floors and uh, had had actually a reasonable dressage for a change, and then went in because dressage is my nemesis. Uh, great show jumping clear, went cross country, uh, flew around the cross country, oh, came no. through the finish, and was like, "Yeah, I'm in like the top three. So yeah. And then the lovely starter man came running over, and he was like, "Word on the street is you've missed a fence." And I was oh, like, "No, no!" <laughs> and it was just so like so depressing. Um, and it turns out worse when the oh. commentary is really quiet, and you're like, "That's not right." Like you're trying to hear, like, "Oh." It's they're quite happy with you and I was like they're very very quiet that's not a good <laughs> it was awful and I remember my friend and I walked across country and we remember the fence I missed was because we saw somebody walking some ducks and puppies and so we were like oh my god <laughs> I totally missed it so so advice to anyone listening make sure you walk the cross country course and you know Absolutely. exactly where you're yep. looking for so it was really funny though, because I jumped the fence and I was galloping to the finish, last fence, because it was the penultimate cross country jump. And uh, I remember galloping along thinking, it's a long gallop from mm -hmm. here to the last. And it I scanned I scanned the like view ahead and there was a tree, but the judge's oh. car was behind the tree. So I hadn't like spotted it. Clocked so it, yeah. Disappointing. Oh. So I can imagine how gutted you were yeah. to miss that. It was, it was frustrating. I didn't know my dressage score at the time, so not always like um, uploaded straight away. And sometimes if you're showing up in cross country, follows quite quickly afterwards. And it wasn't until you get back to the lorry and then you go, oh no, like that score was actually quite good. <laughs> but oh, um, I think yeah. there's many people listening who uh, have been in the same boat. And... Oh, totally. At least it's not the horse's fault. I do, well, you just that's it. He doesn't know any different, so. And you just wish he could write that on his record, though. <laughs> you just wish he could write a little comment I saying, the fence. It was me. <laughs> yes, totally. Oh, that's a shame. But actually, your last run was your novice qualifier at Badders. So, um, yeah. for Badders. So, tell me how like it feels. Um, you know, kind of how exciting it is, and what you're doing in your prep to get ready for badminton. Yeah. So. There's always that sort of bit of added pressure when you do like the area festival that that's when you really have to go in and nail it. Um, that day was also the day that I had a pole, which was a bit frustrating, but thankfully it didn't knock me out enough that um, that he still qualified. And and on the day they don't tell you that you qualify, they kind of just they kind of advise, like say it should be top five, but we'll wait and see. <laughs> so you don't find out until November, and then you go right. How do I sort of sort of organize my fitness plan for next year on the basis that we might qualify um so when once we found out like obviously i was i was elated like it's been a bucket list thing for me um and yeah so our our aim was to kind of think of what events we could do because being in scotland we're kind of limited on what we have yeah early on in the year um so for me my next event or first event sorry is is Kerry Muir, and then oh my next one will be Forgan Denny two weeks before badminton so, so you'll have a couple of runs if yeah, the weather's good hopefully if the weather plays ball then we'll get our runs if not then we'll just um I mean I'm hoping he has got enough experience now that worst case scenario as long as we put the fitness under his belt then 
I'm yeah. not panicking if, if they don't run. Like, I'll just have to cope with it. <laughs> yeah. But, Hopefully um, you'll get one of those. I mean, Kirimu is brilliant, isn't it? Because it's such a good fitness run as well because of the exactly. big hill. Yeah. Um, so that should really help get things underway. Have you been riding him since November then, keeping him ticking over all winter? So he had a holiday pretty much from October time until the new year. And then after the new year, got back in the saddle. I basically just decided with our weather, there's no point in stopping and starting. So I picked him up after the new year um, and he's been going since. Um, he's got his first cross-country schooling tomorrow and then hopefully pick a fence in a couple of weeks. So just to kind of keep him ticking over and just um, up in it at the same time. But yeah, we'll we'll wait and see. Like hopefully Kenny Muir runs and, and then we get Borg and Denny after that. So Cool. And do you, yeah. have you had a bit of a stalk of the badminton previous cross-country jumps and yes, things like that? Yeah. <laughs> so, so for him, he's... His anxiety comes out with um, with people and atmosphere. Like um, the biggest one we had was Blair Scottish Championships. The first time it ran, he kind of had difficulty understanding why there's people standing so close to the fences. Ah. Um, so that's our aim of this year is just to take him out to a couple of cross country school and with people standing quite near the fences. Um, with the Scottish events, I think because they're not roped, a lot of them we don't have that people standing as close to the fences. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's my aim, is to try and get him a bit more comfortable with that and then hopefully prepare him for badminton. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's it really. And will you be going down, travelling the night before, staying yeah. over? Are you going to stay for the weekend of badminton or are you just going to come back after you've had No, we're run? staying for the full thing. Um, we've been before and I, I'm desperate to hack around the, the park when, when all the big guys are there and... Um, no, we're definitely we're making a holiday of it. You kind of have Fantastic. to when you're traveling so far. So, yeah, I'm, I'm I can't wait. So, so I think um, actually it's a good time to mention that you have an Instagram page, which is mm -hmm. uh, at Rachel Layton, because I think I'll be following you anyway. Um, following your journey up to badminton, which is cool because I'd love to see all the pictures and stuff. And you have to get a through the years shot of badminton house and all of that. <laughs> Absolutely, kind of stuff. yeah. Um, but actually after badminton, then um. Your your focus hopefully will be. I mean, you've said to me you've got, you've got Warwick One Star penciled mm -hmm. in, yep. so that's your aim, which is um, after badminton's badminton's early May and then uh, Warwick's early June, isn't it? Or middle mm -hmm. middle of June. So middle of June, yeah. So what we what are your plans leading up to Warwick One Star? Why have you chosen Warwick um, as your your planned first One Star with him? So for Warwick, because it's middle of June, I, I probably looking at either Frenchfield or Hopeton before that. I think after Badminton you'll probably get a bit of a holiday. Um just because we've we've been so busy up until now. And then after that we'll probably I think probably Frenchfield as Hopeton's probably a wee bit close being the week before. But um we'll wait and see how obviously the weather's looking and things like that. But for him I'll probably just start to up the distances for like fitness and things. Um, obviously Warwick being flat it's quite a good one star rather than obviously doing Blade as your first but it's a great prep to do one to the next yeah um so yeah no look really looking forward to like giving it a bash and see how things go but he he won the 100 there two years ago so I'm hoping for <laughs> you like, hoping he likes the course <laughs> that's, and, um... that's the that's the plan anyway and you've done so a few years ago now, so a long time ago. Um, yeah. I'm not going to say a long time ago because that I like that sounds well, it's, really it's, bad, doesn't it? Yeah. 
but you've done you've done um two star in the past yeah so but there's been a fair fairly decent break so what what um what are your thoughts going into this one one star and what is um what has changed for you and and so um how are you preparing for this one differently than you would have done all those years ago so um i mean it was a considerable break being about 10 years so yeah um i think the difference now for me is back then i was about 17 18 when i was competing um on a much more experienced horse he had been international before um Obviously his dressage wasn't the best, but he, he flew cross country. So that takes the pressure off knowing you've got a horse that's confident looking for the flags. When you're going with a horse that is looking for your confidence from them and, and taking you, um, I think the biggest thing for him is like upping that fitness so that he's comfortable with the distance and then he's not finding the jumps a problem. Um, I think for him, it's just getting his body used to that new level of fitness and then enjoying it as well because he does love it so it's just a case of finding him comfortable at that distance um, and hopefully the speed because he's, he's obviously um Clyde's still thoroughbred so we need to make sure he's that bit fitter than the thoroughbreds but um he's got no issue with speed when you when you're up there cool and um and you mentioned before we started about um that you had a really good support network back then. Mm -hmm. So what is your what's what's your support network not like now? Um and what do you have to like make sure that you are keeping on top of yourself? Mm -hmm. So back when I was on the under 18 team like you were getting frequently coached by sort of like Dave and Olivia um and they were supporting you at each each event, giving you advice and, and how to improve and things. Um obviously I always had the support from my parents and still have a massive support of my parents thankfully and um but a lot of the time like, I'm I've moved down south I used to live near Inverness and I'm now more central belt so I'm, I'm mostly by myself and trying to put the own coaching in and things um so it's like very self-driven and trying to make sure that I'm taking lessons where I can where finances allow and things and just trying to prioritize what I can um and, and make improvements if possible but yeah, it's it's kind of different different support network to what what was then and what is now, but you make it work because you have to. So yeah, and I think you're you're very um, you're very typical of a lot of amateur riders who are working, mm -hmm. having to plan ahead, having to do what they're what they need to do to compete in the sport. So I think there's a, quite a few people who can probably relate to the fact that they you know some people have come into the sport without doing the under 18s so mm -hmm. they've not experienced that support prior to that but now there's a lot of people um who have to try and find that time so what do you do do you um do you like sit and wait until the be calendar comes out in november december and then frantically write all the dates of every single event you want to do or do you wait until your horse is fit enough and then plan ahead like how how do you manage your your life and your day-to-day -day world basically yeah so I'm, I'm lucky like with my work i'm monday to friday so i can count on having the weekends and i, I get in at slightly earlier finish on a friday so for me my weekends are my own which is lucky um and then like you say i do the frantic of putting all the dates in the diary in november and i'm desperately sitting waiting for them to release the dates so that i can pencil them in roughly of what i would like to do and then look at the unaffiliated local things to kind of piece together and then 
roughly work up when my instructors are are local so that I can try and time in lessons before the competition yeah. um, in the ideal world and then it rains and pours and then you're like right okay I need to try and um, rejig everything but yeah that is my plan is that I try and have everything down in my diary and try and work around that because the BE dates are solid they're not going to move so yeah that's that's it really. That's cool I think um, I I'm one of those people because I'm not sure this last year the BE calendar came out a little bit later mm-hmm. and everyone was like online going when's the BE calendar coming so I think I think we're all a bit like desperate for it to come out um, and obviously you don't have to work weekends therefore mm-hmm. you can just literally plan which one you want yeah. to do and not worry about having to change work around but um, I find that like everything is penciled in mostly because horses are horses aren't they and you never you never know what they're going to do from one week to the next Mm -hmm. and Um, that's it I think for me like I've had more pressure this year because of having badminton in the calendar whereas last year we started I think it was floors that I started with so it was a bit later being in May and I was like next year that needs to be my third event so (laughs) I need to be a bit more (laughs) up and running by then um so you just have that added pressure and then having a look at what one star is trying to look at what event would set me up for that beforehand as well um and obviously being in Scotland we don't have enough like as many events as we used to so it's just trying to make sure that we do hit those events bang on hopefully yeah and actually um for him and like the one star excuse me let's say um, for him, the one star is a slight step up as well, isn't it? Because he's going, it's going to be a one hundred and five, mm-hmm. and he's done up to one hundred so far, hasn't he? Yeah, he. I took him around Novice as my first. Uh, sorry, scrap that. I took him around Bergy as my um, as my first novice, which was probably a bit silly, in fairness, because it is a big novice. Um, and in fairness, he managed the the height no bother at all. So I'm, I'm looking forward to doing the one star, but. Um, it was just the speed he was going at. He was struggling with coming up to the fences and that fast the canter, and then um, gave himself a bit of a fright and I came off. But I think had he had a bit more preparation, maybe with a one star in between, I feel like that would have kind of bridged the gap between the two heights. Yeah. So the one star, like he should probably. I think be I'm, okay. I'm, I'm hoping he should be quite comfortable with it. Um, famous last word. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's not. Let's not. <laughs> let's <laughs> meet. Let's catch up during the event and I'll yeah. chat to you while you're doing it. And you can tell everyone how you're getting on and stuff. So that'd be cool. Yeah. And are you thinking of maybe doing a novice? Is that penciled in as well for this year, maybe? So I don't know. I'll see. My, basically, I'll wait and see. You always end up trying to work through the season and then you end up running out of events to try and then move up, um, which is kind of how, how Bergie happened because I think the original plan was to do Frenchfield and then the dates didn't work in or something. Um, so yeah, the the plan would be to hopefully do the one start at Warwick and then the one start at Blair. Um, so I don't know if we'll get the the novice in next year, but I mean, thankfully he's only thirteen, so hopefully maybe next season um, we can move him up to novice because I feel like he has got the scope to do it. it. For me, it's just finding enough time to get the training in to justify the the move up. Um, yeah, totally. But... I can totally sympathise with that because for Kenny. Um, Kenny and I did an intermediate and he like mm-hmm. flew around the intermediate and he was great. And then last year he had a fracture and he had three months of like uh, box rest. And then last year I hoped to bring him like back to fitness and get him back to intermediate. But I was mm-hmm. always on the back foot. So we we never really got out. And um, 
I'm kind of hoping we'll do intermediate again. Although to be fair, I do like tack my pants when I see intermediate. <laughs> um, but like, so he's a thoroughbred, so he does actually tend to have the easy fitness for like novice. Mm-hmm. But I find like that step up, whatever level it is, it doesn't really matter what your horse is ready for. But a step up means that you suddenly have to like find the time to increase that mm-hmm. workload and things and. We've been talking about doing gallops trips and stuff, haven't we? And trying yep. to get him doing. But what do you do at the moment for his for his gallop fitness? So gallop fitness at the moment is is on grass um, when when weather allows. And if not, I'll just do a sort of interval training in a big arena. Um, it's just trying to make do where you can, and obviously hiring local cross country um, and hopefully trying to fit in a wee bit of interval training in, in gaps between the fences and things. Um, but yeah, just trying to find the best that you can. Um, and it, it is difficult at the moment with the weather, the, the ground's still a bit wet, but... It um... is, and I always find that, um, so we'd have sheep, <laughs> random <laughs> things to throw in. We have like Hebridean sheep and we um, we lamb the second week of April. Mm-hmm. So um, they're all synchronised, so they should hopefully lamb in a week. Unless, of course, we've made an error and then it'll all be taught, <laughs> but um, hopefully it will. But I always find that the just before lambing, we have like a bout of snow, it seems, mm-hmm. every year, which is yep. why we moved our lambing week. So then as soon as the snow comes, um, you everything stops. So you almost have to like prepare, don't you, to have your horse fit enough to then have to have a forced break to then Absolutely. pick them back up again. Yeah, so he he actually knocked himself a couple of weeks ago, and I was glad I was kind of a week ahead in terms of fitness that I could give himself like that couple of days of just sort of walking work, um, and then picking back up once once he was a lot happier and things. And it's just it's having that bit of leeway, but it's how many weeks you have that you don't have too many before you start going. Oh right, okay, like I'm not worrying yet, but um... <laughs> it might be next week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but horses are horses, and you kind of just have to run with it and just hope that they don't keep doing things like that. And in, in the well, fingers and... crossed. Wrapping yeah. in bubble wrap. Wrapping yeah. In bubble wrap. Um, cool. so. And how do you? Um, so actually, um, I don't know if you get nervous because we haven't talked about that. But um, mm-hmm. do you get nervous at any of the phases? And do you like how do you overcome that? Because I think. Um, even though you've competed at a higher level in the past, I think that it's sort of like almost assumed that you you don't get nervous. You know, mm-hmm. if you've done it before, you don't get nervous. But I've always been an advocate for that. It really depends on the horse you're on and the mm-hmm. scenario that you find yourself in. So Absolutely. What gives you the fear and how do you overcome it? <laughs> so for, for me, I'm more nervous the day before. Okay. So like, I'm quite funny. I, I prefer driving the lorry myself because if I'm sat in the passenger seat, I just sit and fret. So I'm better if I'm driving because it keeps me busy. Um, Dad always offers to drive and I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm quite happy, like I'll, I'll drive. And then um, I'm quite happy if he drives home because I'm knackered by that <laughs> point. Um, and then the morning of, I don't usually eat anything, which I know is not very good, but yeah, I, I struggle to keep. I just prefer an empty stomach. Unless you're on a really late start, then it's kind of, you just kind of have to lump it and then just run to the toilet quickly. <laughs> um but no once i'm on board i'm usually the the nerves tend to stay quite calm i'm i'm probably take a breather after the dressage i don't know why i feel like it's so subjective that you need to get your marks where you can so it's kind of like you can take a deep breath after that which is maybe where my show jumping (laughs) kicks in i should be more nervous for my show jumping um and i love the cross country so if, if things happen cross-country that are out with my control in terms of like if something happens and it's uncharacteristic then it's one of those things but 
for some reason I'm just a lot more bold and I ride the fences and I enjoy it so it it makes it makes it much more fun but um yeah it's more it's more the day before that my nerves kick in and then once I'm on board it tends to all go away and hopefully I can ride as best as I can. <laughs> I think yeah. um I think that's um I'm kind of I think it's the anticipation of what's to come isn't it that can sort of make you feel a bit un unsettled and I am similar to you in that I can't eat in the morning of an event mm -hmm. but I've had some uh, for the, like last season I had some real proper like struggles with energy like drops yeah where yeah. I, honestly I tacked up and then I was like I think I might need to go and sit down for a minute because I feel exhausted you get lightheaded yeah yeah and actually the only thing and I'm sure if any, if there are any nutritionists listening they are gonna be horrified yeah <laughs> by this so, in their heads <laughs> cover your ears um but I um carry jelly babies so um for like Blair three for Bert uh, for Blair's three-day event and for like any of the longer cross-country courses if you've got to get on because because the cross-country day at Blair is um not dressage and show jumping first so mm -hmm. by that point you've not got things underway and you're feeling a bit more comfortable um yeah. the anticipation of the like the long cross-country and you have to get on and warm them up properly because mm -hmm. they haven't been ridden so far um, I usually feel really like exhausted in the warm up, so I have like a little pocket of like jelly babies that That's I just like, eat one every half an hour. So <laughs> I would recommend that to anyone. And if there's yeah. any nutritionist listening, close your ears. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've I've tried the sort of gel sachets before, like the electrolyte sachets, um, and I don't know. It's whole the whole process. I'm again it comes to usually like eating and things but competition days are, are no no it's weird um, isn't it it's mm -hmm. just so funny it's like how it affects us and and stuff but... and you're you're desperate for early times in the morning or I am anyway because by the time you pick lunchtime you're you're like you're saying you get lightheaded and things so yeah but certainly with the one star it's more spread out so you do need to be a bit better at managing how you how you eat and things so you will need to be. Yeah, that's a lesson to myself. <laughs> I, I recommend Jelly Babies. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, just as a final thing, because I think we'll just wrap up now, but um, have you got anything that you would like to recommend to our amateur rider listeners? Anything that, mm -hmm. you know, helps you or um, anything that's kind of given you a big light bulb moment at all in, in the time that you've been eventing that you want to pass on? I think for me a lot of the time is like not necessarily go and ride you notice a lot more on your feet as well so like if I'm not riding then I'll go and jump judge or I'll go and um like just go and help other riders you pick up a lot when you're not like in your little bubble just focusing on your times or your dress I showed them cross country um and when I was younger I used to go and help groom for like other more experienced riders and they, they you pick up different little hints and tips if that's something that people can do then I would definitely recommend it um, that's a great suggestion actually and um, the jump judging thing I found you know I've jump judged at lots of different levels and mm -hmm. um seeing seeing riders the way like seeing 200 riders ride a fence in a different way yeah totally you get you walk away and go oh yeah I think I feel like I know how to ride that combination mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. um and it is amazing how much you can see different approaches and how um, and how you would maybe change the way you ride knowing that. So I think that's really good advice. And 
I should probably take that advice on board because I'm terrible at dressage. So maybe <laughs> I should go and do some more some writing dresses. for judges. Yeah, and I think yeah. it's it's where you can pick up the extra marks. And for me, like it was so interesting to see at Bampton and Burley, like the warming up process because obviously with the international, the difference for your one day, obviously you're riding your shoulder being dressage first. They're quite warm from their their previous events and things. Um is how much they warmed up before they did their cross country on the single days for the international competitions. It's, it's, it was really interesting. And a lot of them are going out for a hack in the morning and then having a jump in the afternoon and things. And I found that it, definitely worthwhile and I'll probably need to keep keep that before Warwick. Um, yeah. And actually, if um, if you go to Blair, and I'm not sure the structure of how Warwick's going to be, whether it is going yeah, to be like dressage one day, one day or, and yeah. then sure jumping across country. I'm not sure what their timetable is. I know mm-hmm. at Blair they split it over the three days, so it's kind of the, the same it's format. The more, yeah. Um, but um, I yeah I when I went and did a three day event, that was the advice I was given was for cross country day you have to warm up for like forty five minutes and yeah you need to get your horse's heart rate up so that you kick in their recovery mechanisms and mm-hmm. um, so reducing like lactic acid buildup and all of those kind of things and yeah and uh, and so actually getting on board, warming them up, having a gallop. And mm-hmm. then giving them some downtime to like r- recover before yep. you then warm up again to go cross country is actually super important for mm-hmm. um, three day events. And they actually put a clock up in the cross country warm up. Um, oh, I've okay. noticed. Um, yeah, for, so you can watch yourself and things. Yeah. Yeah, so you can check your time and be like, okay, I'm I'm all right for time. So I've always uh, that the day I saw that I was like, oh, that's really interesting. It's really um, helpful. <laughs> That's really helpful. We should have that at every event. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so you know what, like, you know, what um, the event time is. Because mm-hmm. um, having done jump judging and stuff, they kind of go, here's the stopwatch. We are running on, like, French field time. Yeah. And it's just that all of them are synchronised to that time, even if yeah. it's slightly off sync from the day. But yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's good. That's really good advice, actually. I think, mm-hmm. um, I think watching other people is definitely some really... Everyone new... does things differently. And I think... You can take away things that you wouldn't do and you can try things that you would you would like to do and um it's the best way of, of learning i think and you hear other riders doing the exact same thing like it was really interesting watching master classes and things and um you can pick up different exercises that you feel like might help your horses and yeah i think the best way is just different lessons and different coaches and things that's cool well, thank you very much. That kind of comes to the end of the uh, podcast. So um, thank you so much for coming along. Um, for anyone no, listening... thanks for having me. I'm, 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 we, we just have to have you back on again, I think, once you've done <laughs> once you've done Badders. Yes, um, we'll absolutely. We'll get you back to have like a follow-up and, and Warwick and we'll maybe follow you throughout the season or something and uh, I'll, yeah. I'll come back to you at some point. But um, if anyone's listening and they want to follow Rachel, then do pop onto her Instagram and follow Rachel Aiton. Um, and if you are listening to this podcast and you enjoy it please don't forget to subscribe because then you'll get a reminder of when each podcast episode is available mm-hmm. um, so yeah that's that's the end so thank you so much for coming on it's been a pleasure chatting to you and I wish you and Nelson I think Nelson's his is Nelson his naughty name so maybe we should call him <laughs> Nelly Nelly yeah. <laughs> so wish you and Nelly the absolute fantastic season thank you